how to break a wordless bond. Reversing a wordless bond. Amending a wordless bond. It's not there. That's the whole point. You can't break it. Why don't you do something useful and catch up on all the classes you missed in Fillory? She's so this isn't working. Yeah, tell me about it. Keeping you a secret and trying to help you while you do God knows what. I have to ask for help. I need to tell someone. Great idea. You think you know Locked Up for Crazy? They'll put you someplace you can't even imagine and they'll box me up so quick. All your efforts for nothing. Is that what you want? I want Alice back. I want the real you. I want... I, I can't help Fillory and I can't help Elliot and I can't help Julia and I just want to do... God, one thing for the person that deserves it the most. That's what I want. <laughs> I understand. Do you want to know the truth? You are a failure. So stop using me to try to fix that. Uh-oh, look at the time. Uh, wait, no. Where does Bond, kid? My turn. Welcome to episode 208 of Physical Kids Weekly. This one's called Word is Bond. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And we're here today with fellow free trader Killashandra Ray. Welcome, Killy. Hey, guys. <laughs> um, so we normally start off just by asking what everyone thinks of the episode. Killy, why don't you start us off today? What, it, what were your thoughts? I really loved this episode. Yeah? Um, yeah, there... A lot kind of happens, and it's all kind of amazing. <laughs> um, anything in particular stuck out to you? Um, I mean, I just love Niff and Alice. Let's be real. She's amazing. <laughs> um, I feel like we get to really get to know Margot better in this episode. Um, Shadeless Julia is amazing. You know, everyone's just kind of really amazing in this episode. Yeah, I really feel that. Danny, what about you? What did you think? I mean, I absolutely love the episode um, as a viewer. Now, as a book reader, I really have a lot of strong slash mixed feelings about this episode. Um, oh, really? Yeah, for sure. Um, so something that I would love to see even differently, <laughs> even though I'm a book reader, uh, just seeing... I was talking to people on Tumblr about it. I would love to see Shadeless Julia and Niff and Alice just, like, burn down the whole world together. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all agree to that. They were really great together. Um, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you, and I think I really liked... I really liked what both of you said, but Killy, you especially were saying that um, this is a really fantastic episode for, for character development. Mm -hmm. um, and that, for me, is what's really most impressive um, in this episode. So I want to start by talking about Julia, who had a little shade-ectomy at the end of the last episode, there were a couple of things that really made an impression on me. So first, um, I think Stella did an amazing, amazing job um, with this kind of transformation. Uh, Shadeless Julia has so much confidence and fearlessness, and even though they still are sort of the same person, they're really distinct. Um, did you guys get that feeling too? Yeah, you can really kind of tell a difference from what Julia was before. Um, she had her shade removed and from after. Um, you know, it's a really marked difference, and I'm kind of curious on how they're going to continue that. I mean, yeah. I can definitely tell the difference, like, 100%. Uh, but I don't know, like, as much fun as it is to watch Julia do this shit, it's not really like Julia to do this. Yeah, you know, I th you were talking about that earlier, as a, or a second ago, you were saying, like, as a book reader, this is a really different episode for you. And I think the Shadeless Julia thing is the place where I felt that the most. Yeah. I, yeah, um, I had some real, like, issues with some of the things Shadeless Julia does in this episode. Um, like burning down a whole bunch of trees, including dryads. Yeah, and it, especially um, considering uh, like yeah. uh, what her arc is in the book. Really, really. Yes, I was just I like, definitely want to know how they're gonna do that. Um, and just 
what I read as her kind of not having her shade is not what I'm seeing in the show. It's kind of two different personalities almost. Now, in the books, though, it wasn't, there wasn't really a concept of a shade in the books. Not exactly, right? It was... I think there is a small mention of shade. Um, It doesn't... Lev never goes into detail, but I know that there's a mention of shade. um, And that she loses it. Well, so my memory wasn't um, about... Sorry, go ahead. um, I think it's in Magician's King. Quentin definitely describes Julia as being different than what you've seen Julia in the previous books. Yeah, I agree. And I think, right, like, um, so Elliot or or Janet in the books is, like, talking about how they met Julia. Um, and they mm-hmm. say um, that at some point she is doing some kind of ritual in, in a hotel room. Um, and she just, like, lays in the fire. <laughs> yeah, well, mm-hmm. and, like, she's trying to get something back that she's lost and it's not working or something like that. And there is mm-hmm. all of this conversation about her humanity, but I think like f- the way that I am reading the way that they're doing shade, which is maybe what you're saying, Killy, is that her shade isn't so much her humanity as it is her vulnerability. Like it's her ability to, it's, it's what makes it possible for you to feel shitty. Um, and it's the kind of thing that like we try to avoid feeling if we're upset but, like, avoiding feeling it doesn't actually prevent us from, like, I don't know. D- does this make any sense to you? <laughs> this, this episode seems like a big fuck you to book Julia. Um, because hmm. she she describes herself as not really being human anymore in the books. But she still is very empathetic and caring yeah. um, the whole time. She is still, she's just lost. Like, she hasn't found her way. And she definitely gets there eventually. Um like, I think we talked about it in a, a previous podcast, how she just shows up and she's like, she opens the door and she's like half naked and she's like, sorry, uh, sorry to Quentin because she just doesn't really know how to behave anymore. And yeah. in the show, she seems to be doing these very reactive things on purpose and she doesn't care. It's almost too much like she is like a Niffin. Like she's not shadeless yeah. because shadeless is to say like even the beast wasn't like that and he was shadeless yeah well and that actually brings us to my second point which is the other thing that really made an impression with me about shadeless julia is there really seemed to be a strong parallel between shadeless julia and niff and alice especially in that scene in fillory when like quentin drags julia back um and like Julia is talking to him and being like, no, you need to let me do what I want to do. And Alice is just sitting there going, yeah, and like taunting him. And they really do seem like the same, which isn't how I saw Niffins and Shade. Like, they seem different to me in the books. Yeah, they're very different in the books. Um, I kind of saw her in the books as kind of not monotone, but very like kind of dulled down almost Mm. and not sure how to express her personality whereas here in the show she's very kind of exuberant and wanting to do what she wants to do you know um and go after like renard and get her way and everything and it's just not what i was expecting from reading the books well and also right like in the books there she still does have the capacity to feel a lot of things which is i think what you were getting at danny including fear so mm-hmm. when they, um, spoiler alert, and here, like, when she's on Earth and she's talking to Reynard, he, like, goes and tries to kill her, or at least make her think that that's what's going to happen, and she just has no reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what sort of sets him off to realize that she is shadeless. Mm-hmm. She actually just seems to be laughing at everything all the time. She just thinks everything's a big <laughs> fucking joke, and that's what makes me think that it reminds me too much of what Niffins are supposed to be like. Yeah, she yeah, seems she... kind of like a sociopath. Yeah. She does seem very Niffin-like in personality. Mm. And it's funny, because I feel like Niffin Alice is actually kind of more similar to to what Julia should be like. You mean just because she's more emotional, or...? Yeah, she has more feeling. Um, but, like, at the same time, like, Shadeless Julia in the books is kind of more 
just slightly apathetic, but she still cares. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked what you said, Kelly, about her being kind of, like, dulled down and monochromatic. And it's interesting, because they kind of did that with her wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. right? Like, she was wearing neutral tones through the entire um, episode. Though they were also, like, I don't know, kind of, like, vamped up. Yeah. She was wearing things that were, like, tighter than what she normally wears. and. Well, yeah, she doesn't usually show her, her cleavage, and she kind of had it out. Um, <laughs> so... Um, anything else either of you wanted to say about Shadeless Julia before we move on? I just want to mention that I was first, like, kind of creeped out by Shadeless Julia, you know, as the episode uh, started. And then I was kind of like, oh, I'm all for this Julia. She's awesome. I'm really loving her. And then she goes and blows up the forest. And I'm just like, oh, my God. What is going on? Like, I went through this whole roller coaster of how I felt about Shadeless Julia in, like, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour. It was kind of weird. I think you and Katie uh, both had that feeling. <laughs> I just, like, I, I I started out the same way. I, like, really loved Shadeless Julia, and then she got to the point where she blew up the trees. And I mean, as much as fun as it is to watch that and really cool to see that, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I feel that a lot. And especially, I mean, I mentioned this before, but it especially given the things that happened to her in the books, it really bothers me to see her being mean to trees. <laughs> yes! I agree. That was, like, my biggest issue with that scene. <laughs> yeah. Julia and trees are, like, my, my one true pairing, so I was very just... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty important one, for sure. Okay, yes. well, let's move on to something um, that we might feel a little bit differently about. Um, one thing I really loved in this episode was uh, the sort of girl power vibe with a lot of the female friendships, but especially I loved the way that um, Margot was supporting and caring for Fen. So I want to start with... a quick clip and then we can talk about it um and i called this clip um i ship fargo so <laughs> okay look it's gonna be okay i'm pregnant we're about to go into war we need the king i need my husband <laughs> well you got me i'm gonna take care of you and the kid i will untangle this war shit somehow i know the high king has a power but I will hunt Ember to the ends of the world to have that stupid rule rewritten. Everything Elle promised, I'm gonna deliver. You hear me? Listen to High King Bambi. You're alive! <laughs> nice of you to join us, asshole. <laughs> Really does sound like you've got it all handled. I do, but it's more fun with you. <sighs> Aww. <laughs> that one really hit me, like, right in the feels. There's something so wonderful and so powerful about the way Margot is taking charge in the scene. Um, and, and really in the whole episode, like, she's there for everyone, even though she's going through hell. She's, like, she's there for Julia, she's there for Quentin, she's there for Elliot, she's there for Fen, and probably some people that I'm missing. Um, and she's going, like, she's having a horrible time. Like, she has not only, like, lost her best friend, she is having to try to lead this place that clearly doesn't want her. And I don't know, I just, I love it. You know what one of my favorite scenes in this episode was? What? Was slightly before this moment, but uh, Margot kicks out the one lady, and then she's like, you too, sweetie, to Fen. Oh, yeah. And I just thought it was the cutest thing ever that she called Fen sweetie. Oh, yeah. I really like that scene, too. I had, I had a hard time, like, picking between Margot's scenes in this episode, because I think she does a really fantastic job. And I liked that whole scene, too, both for what you said about her, like, really being kind and um, gentle with Fen. Um, mm-hmm. But also, like, that scene, she gives this whole big speech about how she's faking it, and she really is vulnerable. And that really felt to me like book Janet, more than yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Her It reminded me of that one quote where, where Margot says that she um, 
I mean, well, it's Janet in the book, that she becomes her own weapon. Mm. Um, just her strength, um, her vulnerability and strength. Uh, she's just so beautiful in this episode. She becomes what I, I called her in my notes. I called her Mama Bear Margo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, like, I loved when she told Quentin um, that she... That he should be there for his friend because there wasn't really much he could do yeah. there. Um, yeah, I really love that too. And just seeing her—I mean, we've seen it a lot this season where she's been—we just see more of her softer side and her kinder side. And in the first season, we really only saw that in the one episode—the episode with the threesome. And then, of course, mm-hmm. things like very quickly go to shit. So, didn't last long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like we get to see a lot more of who Margot really is this season. Um, you know, from running the bank heist, you know, to everything that went into declaring war um, and her being a monarch in the softer side in this episode. And I'm really loving it. Yeah. And okay. So I know that that is not her softer side, but I also really loved that in the episode, um, the first Loria episode when she does declare war. It is so beautiful and perfect and just, like, she clearly has been, like... I think part of it is that she doesn't do anything impulsively, right? This is something that she must have thought through really carefully and calculated, and she knows exactly how she's going to pull it. And yet, she surprises everybody else in the room. I love Elliot's reaction that... Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, that was great. But I love how supportive he is before that. Yeah. He's like, yes, to everything he, she's saying. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and then he's just like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. What? Oh, shit. No, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> the only thing with that scene that, like, I was like, that's not something Elliot would say is when he didn't know what, like, Jimmy Choo's were. And I was like... <laughs> No, Elliot wouldn't know. Yeah, <laughs> I know that too. Um, have you ever? Have you guys ever seen Legally Blonde? Yes. Okay. I but, think I have. Um, I love that scene where um, what's his face? The pool boy is like uh, taking all the water, and Elle like taps her foot at him. Um, and he goes, don't you stomp your last season Prada boots at me or whatever like that. I don't know. Yeah. For some reason, the Jimmy Choo line made me think of that. Yeah, I, I love that movie. I think every woman should at least watch it once. Yes, I agree. Watch it with all your girlfriends. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. What else? What, what were some things that you guys really liked in this episode? I um, mean, I I liked so many different things. Um, yeah. I mean, Penny and Katie, Mm -hmm. um, and also at the beginning of the episode, Katie and Quentin interact, and they rarely interact, so it's always really beautiful when they do, um, because they always have, like, these really, like, heart-to-heart moments, like, last season when, uh, he asks about Julia, and then she's, he's like, you know you want to ask about Penny, you don't just, like, stop giving a fuck about people, like, that's one of my favorite lines from the first season. Yeah. That was a great scene. It was, and I think you're right that, like, there's something very, very true and, like, there's a real kinship between Katie and Quentin. And because they're not in that many scenes together, we don't get to see it. I really loved that at the end, too, um, when she, like, says to him, we're the closest thing you have to friends, and then punches him in the face. Which it, it just, like, sums up their entire relationship so well. I actually, like, I actually had, like, a note. I was just like, shh, y'all are friends. Just admit it, like... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I thought um, also it kind of almost is also a symbol for Penny and Q's relationship just Mm -hmm. because it's that whole, all of them are so, I can't even describe it. It's great, though. Like, yeah. Well, I know know exactly what you mean because, I mean, I think, right, in, in the books, I feel like Q and Penny are much more like two sides of the same coin. Um, mm-hmm. And Arjun described them as brothers in this particular, in um, like in the show. And I think that that is closer to right. They're closer to being brothers than they are to like being the same person. Um, and yet I think like 
or like Penny has, we, we saw in earlier episodes, we saw in the episode after, in episode 204, the one after Alice died, um, how, how much Penny really does have affection for Quentin and really cares about him deeply and does need him. And in fact, like, I think that that speech that, um, that, uh, Penny gives to Q when they're out in the field, when they come out of the flying forest has a lot of similarities to the speech that he gives Katie in this episode. Yeah, I can see that, but I, I, I love actually just seeing more of their, their, I guess, quasi friendship in, in this episode. Cause he just like, he notices like automatically that something's wrong with Quentin's mind. Yeah. And of course, yes. like, like, of course, like Alice rectifies that right away. But like, <laughs> I, I just love that he just notices and he's concerned. And then he's like, well, he's a big boy. He can, he can lie to me if he wants. Yeah. <laughs> so and he's an adult. I it, yeah, I have it written down as, like, Mother Hen Penny in this episode. Mother Hen? Because, Henny. yeah, he, um... He's, he he's been a, a big... <laughs> he's been a big mother this season. <laughs> yeah, he confronts Q um, about what's going on with his mind, and then, like, right after Quentin leaves... He turns to Katie and's like, "Have you eaten lately? You should yes. eat." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. It's true, and he really is trying to take care of Katie so much in this episode too. Um, yes. Before yeah. we get too much into the Penny and Katie arc, though, I want to play, of course, the clip. You guys ready? Okay. Got your tissues yes. at the ready. <laughs> All right, here we go. From the book of Dana Wallens. His adoptive mother christened him John Spencer Gaines. Oh my god. He found his name. Well, stole, technically. But I think the librarian might let it slide since now I'm an employee. You, you signed that insane contract? Oh yeah, it's okay. How the hell is that okay? Because I get magic back. At least the order's up front about what shit costs. Plus, the way I see it, I should already be dead by now, you know? So this is all bonus. Who gives a shit about all that future? Did you do this for me? Well, not just, but... Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I did. Were you not listening to a word I said? Yeah, I was listening. But guess what? It's not up to you to decide if you're worth my time. I get to do whatever the fuck I want with it. Even if it is spend it on a girl that threatens to bail all the goddamn time. Because guess what, Katie? I didn't think I was ever going to fucking see you again. And that puts shit into perspective. I love you. Okay? Deal. Shit. <laughs> That's such a penny way to say I love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I love you, deal with it, like, whatever. Like, it's so offensive, right? Like, he's going in and he's Mm -hmm. like, I love you, this is my weapon. I'm going to just, like, smack you over the head with it. (laughs) Well, he knows the only only way to get to Katie is to to yell at her about it, so. (laughs) That's true. Uh, So, yeah, let's talk about this. Let's talk about, like... I guess it's been now a two-episode arc between Katie and Penny. Um, and really, we've seen their relationship not just, like, pick up where it left off, but there's a lot that... There's a lot of intensity in just the last couple episodes that has really gone into it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What do you think? Penny, Katie, you on board? <laughs> I mean, I've always been on board with Penny and Katie. Uh they they have a very interesting relationship um probably has like the most actual uh foundation to it out of any of the relationships mm. on the show um so what do you mean by that uh, i mean they have the most like actual story going they didn't just like start hanging out and start fucking you know like some of the other characters uh they they've had an established relationship since the first episode and They've gone through the most. They've they've grown the most, as well. Yeah, Kelly. What about you? Um, I mean, I like them together, but I don't generally ship Penny and Katie together. <laughs> um, 
I do think Danny's right about they've definitely have kind of the most like foundation to the relationship, you know, from almost the beginning, Katie's been supportive of Penny and him hearing voices and everything, you know, and then he repays that back and he really opens up to her. And so I do like that relationship in that aspect. Yeah. I really like they're both, you know, they both are like these tough, tough characters in a lot of ways, but I Mm -hmm. like that they, um, they seem to have always been able to be vulnerable with each other and that allows them to take care of each other in a way that I don't think anyone else could take care of them or that they could take care of anybody else. Yeah, I think they really kind of understand where each other comes from, um, even before break bills. So that's interesting to me in part because I think like, I don't think Penny knows any of Katie's backstory before any of the rest of the break bills do. Do you? She lies to him actually about stuff. Like she talks about her dad and like, as far as we know, she actually doesn't know her dad. And so she definitely lies to him a few times until she finally tells him the truth. Yeah. But I feel like they kind of, even with the lying they can both kind of intrinsically understand that they've both had really tough pasts. Hmm. Um, they can just kind of see that in each other and bond over that and move forward without even having to like super talk about it. You know, they have things to hide and they have secrets and they won't necessarily push each other for those. They just can kind of build off that shared secrecy. Do you think, so I always sort of wonder about this in retrospect, because we've learned more and more about um, Penny's sort of not quite psychicness, but like his ability to hear other people's thoughts and whatever else. Um, Mm -hmm. And there clearly is, right, like he, um, there's that moment in the first episode where he basically like propositions Katie and she asks if he's psychic and he says, yeah, but lucky guess or something like that. Um, and it kind of makes me wonder, like are Katie's wards up from the very beginning before most of the rest of them even have any idea about it? Does he recognize this about her? Like maybe that is what he is attracted to is the fact that she isn't putting herself out there for everyone else to see. Yeah, I mean, we know Katie's been doing magic for years. Yeah. So I would imagine she had met other psychics before even getting to break bills. Mm. She says she slept with a few, actually. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So (laughs) learning to ward her mind would have just been beneficial even then. Yeah. And I imagine that Penny hasn't had that much experience with people who actually shut up, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what did you uh, what did you think about them in this episode? There's a lot of like really raw emotion on both sides. I don't know. It really got to me, but <laughs> in a good way or I, I mean it it really kind of messed with my head just cuz like I I know where Penny's coming from. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I really kind of felt for Penny in these moments. I mean, Katie comes off as a really mean drunk, but (laughs) I also kind of get how she's just trying to almost protect him, you know, because she's almost doing the suicide mission to help Julio get rid of Renard. Do you think she's trying to protect him more or herself? Because... I don't know. I sort of felt like she was just really scared in a lot of those moments. I think it's both. I think, you know, she really wants to protect herself from getting hurt, um, you know, and leaving Penny the first time was hard enough. Um, But I also think that she thinks Penny might almost be too good for her. Mm -hmm. And she also knows she's essentially going on the suicide mission, um, to defeat Renard, who's a god, and she doesn't want Penny to get mixed up in that too much. Like, she doesn't want to risk him, and she doesn't want him to get attached to her, you know, because if 
she does like die or something, then it, if he's not attached, he won't care as much. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay, anything else on that before we move on? Uh, not that specifically. Okay, well, what else? Anything else about the episode? I wanted to talk about Niff and Alice a little bit. Yeah. And my, I think my favorite scene with Niff and Alice was the time sight scene. Um, so, you know, Katie and Penny seeing Quentin interact with Alice and just thinking he's absolutely insane <laughs> was one of my favorite things. Oh, yeah. I also... Um, I know. How does is- he not notice his tattoos on his fucking hands? The like word is bond tattoos. Like they're clear as day when he's like holding up the thing, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure they would have been able to see those. I think that's a really good point. But I mean, do you think they'd necessarily know that that's Alice? I mean, they would just think he has word is bonds. Yeah. I mean, yeah, oh, there's no why, but both like, I mean, hands, isn't it? It's basically like the unbreakable vow. Like <laughs> you. I would ask questions if I saw someone had done one. Like, I actually, I still have some questions about how this works because Niff and Alice doesn't have a body and yet she like cuts her thumb open and is able to use what blood? I don't know to like create the whole word yeah. as well. The whole th- I, um, mechanics yeah. of it really bothered me. <laughs> In one of the behind the scenes photos, um, Quentin has a word of spawn on both hands. So you think that that's what it is? You think it's... Um, I think it's the shared body one yeah. being in control of half something. I don't know. It's really I, confusing. I think he technically had to put both of his hands down for it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's... I, I like that. I like that as a way of thinking about it. Um, and sort of making explicit that, like, he's... Because I guess he's really making an agreement with himself, right? Yeah. I mean essentially. Yeah. <laughs> the the um which makes him seem like he's like got like dissociative disorder or something. Well it's gotta but, feel like that. Yeah. I I've been loving the just the way that they are going about it. Like the scenes are so insane. They seem really hard to do. Um and he he's like two seconds away from a mental breakdown, like the entire like last two episodes yeah and but the the cinematography that they've been using is like really good oh yeah and i know that in the behind the scenes they said that they have this special camera for like niff and alice mm-hmm. um <laughs> does it have like call, yeah like, i think they um, call it like the niff and cam or something like that <laughs> yeah i think um what you said about the dissociative part of quentin is kind of reflected on how they're filming it Mm. you know it's kind of almost disjointed a little bit off center and not smooth um and i think that helps reflect uh her being in his body and him trying to deal with not only just having a nipping in his body but it specifically being alice yeah yeah i think that makes a lot of sense and i do I, I like the like I like the Niffin cam. I like what they're doing with that. One thing I also mm-hmm. noticed in this episode, um, because we get to see them like switch bodies, uh, I really, really liked the way that um Jason portrayed like Quentin when Niffin Alice is inhabiting him. It's only like five seconds in that one scene yeah. where he's like in the physical kid's cottage and like falls up the stairs. Um but it really felt like like um, Olivia's mannerisms. Um, yeah, and he's he's really good at jacking people's mannerisms. <laughs> yeah, I mean we were talking about this before that right like um, didn't was it Olivia who told us that he's really good at doing impressions? Or did we um, just like? It's actually Hale that's really good at doing impressions. Oh, it's Hale that's really but, good at doing um, impressions. Uh, no, Jason, what we heard was Lev basically literally told us that he had lunch with Jason and that he like stole a bunch of his mannerisms for Quentin. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I agree that that has happened clearly. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like he, and it well, and, right. Like he and Olivia run lines together a lot. So it makes sense that they would be, they'd be pretty close and that they 
like he would have a lot of opportunities to see how she's playing Alice. Um, yeah. But it was really nice to see in action. Like I really felt like he played Alice in that scene for, you know, only five seconds, but still it was, it was. A good yeah. Touch. I don't think anyone got the impression. It was not uh, Alice in that short little scene. Yeah. Like, it was definitely not Quentin. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I really liked that. I thought that was a good. I appreciated it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Anything else about the episode? Um, I thought it was really interesting that Alice kind of just gets slapped down by the other mission. Oh yeah, <laughs> I really like that too. And it, you know, it makes sense. I think if you think about it, right? Like. Niffins are pure magic, they're pure anger, they're pure, Mm -hmm. like, they're very selfish, right? Like, I mean, that's sort Mm -hmm. of what makes a Niffin a Niffin in a lot of ways. And, of course, it makes sense that this, like, other Niffin isn't going to go out of his way to help another Niffin unless he can get something out of the arrangement. Yeah, and I found it so interesting that it's obviously, because he's such an old Niffin... It, they really show the difference between a Niffin who's kind of been around a long time and Alice who's just been around for not that long, you know? Um, so whereas a little more before about I would kind of, um, I kind of would have thought, you know, just going in, all Niffins can pretty much do whatever they want. Whereas, you know, there's Friar Joseph who's been along for forever almost and can't be bound into the boxes he can't be trapped um and if alice wants his help she has to prove she can do it and she can earn that help Mm. yeah i think though like hers is complicated like normally she would be able to do whatever the heck she wants but she's trapped in in his body I think eventually, like, his body's either going to completely reject her or or he's going to finally, like, let her free and probably box her. Um, I assume that that's what's going to happen by the end of the season. I don't think he can mentally take it for too much longer. Yeah, well, we see that at the end of the episode where she gets so angry um, and it has an effect on his body and she didn't purposely try to hurt him. But, I mean, I can't imagine having a being of pure magic locked away in your body. He's very good for you. Well, I also, okay, I want to go back to what you were saying, though, Danny, about, like, her getting boxed. I really hope that isn't what happens. And a lot of that comes from, like, me as a book reader um, really liking... Yeah, but, I mean, I want her to get boxed only just because I honestly want her to be gone for a while or else Quentin will never grow. Um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think I she could be gone be without being boxed. I guess that's what I'm saying. And I know, but like, I mean, if there's a way to reverse the Niffin spell, there's got to be a fucking way to reverse the box spell. Yeah. Um, well, that's Friar Joseph. He he broke out of the boxes they used to box him in until they couldn't even box him in the first place. Yeah. And I kind of like the idea yeah. of, like, maybe Alice, Niffin Alice being able to, like get out of Quentin's body and traveling around with Friar Joseph and maybe even like killing Friar Joseph. I would be down for that. I would be down for her getting more powerful than I don't know. I don't really need to see her hang out with Nosferatu (laughs) of Niffins. Um, That would be interesting if she does find a way to break free and kind of travel for a while but honestly like I just I don't see the crew kind of letting her do that because they're clearly they're going to address it like Penny's definitely going to help him in some way now that he knows that she's in there yeah yeah, I think it's going to be kind of a rundown between Alice figuring out how to escape on her own uh, Quentin's body just kind of deteriorating to the point where she can't stay in anymore or Quentin letting her go yeah um, you know I think it's going to be a I, I, worse I don't know. I, first, though. Oh, yeah. I, I have a feeling, though, Penny is actually going to end up helping him figure out the spell to to reverse it. I don't know if it'll happen soon. I mean, I, I don't want it to happen soon just because I feel like Quentin really needs some time away from Alice. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. 
It's 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 time to give that poor boy a break. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, the um, thing is, is like as a as a Quentin and Alice shipper, it just like really sucks to see it, see them like this, and it's just constant negative energy. And I mean, if I was in his shoes, I think it would be even if he could get real Alice back, it would be really hard for him to to love her again the way that she's been because like on a level she has to have been she had to have been saying stuff that she kind of thought were meant like it had to come from somewhere is that what you're saying yeah this is why when i was talking when i like asked that question to olivia on twitter i really hope we get to talk to her about it because it's hard for me to imagine that there isn't some of of real alice in niff and alice at all like, I don't yeah, think... I mean, Sorry, go ahead. She's I think just, she just means that she's not alive at all. She's just completely, like, unbridled. Like, yeah. she doesn't have barriers anymore. Yeah. Um, so I, I can get the thing where, like, deep down real Alice is kind of feeling like that. Um, I don't know. I think that if... Quentin got real Alice back, um, he would be really relieved and kind of want to just take her if he can have her. Well, I think, like... I mean... Sorry, go ahead. In the books, they they take a really long time to actually... Um, it's actually pretty ambiguous. You don't know if, mm-hmm. if, if they get back together. Uh, I mean, I had the pleasure of asking Lev, and he kind of confirmed it to me, but it's... It's one of those things that you kind of have to... You make your own story in your mind about what happens between the two. Because he even tells her, like, he's like, uh, we don't need to be together. Like, I just wanted you back in in the world. Yeah. Mm. And I kind of like that about um, the, the scene we played at the very beginning when Quentin is, like, actually breaking down in front of her. That one of the things he says is he just wants to do something good for the person who deserves it most. And that really exactly. is, yeah, like, he, that is the moment that to me was closest to some of those things that he said in the third books, or he seemed to feel in the third books, that the world just would be a better place with Alice in it, with mm-hmm. real Alice in it, and what that meant for him, it sort of didn't matter. And I, I mean, I like that too about, um, spoiler alert, his patience <laughs> seems to come from come from that come from knowing that like this is not something he's doing for himself it's something he's doing for her but i don't really even with alice having died and even having gone through the trauma of that i don't think quentin could be could get to that point as quickly as he has in the shows yeah he's he's he needs some time for growth um to gain that that patience and time away from her and like, it's one of the most beautiful things is, like, I think she keeps getting pissed off at him after she comes back because he's so, like, grown up. Mm-hmm. And she's still stuck in, in like, she. it's like she never grew up. And yeah. she's just like, why are you so unaffected? Like, <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's a really good point because, like, I think a lot of us, almost everyone has, like, at some point in their life been in a fight with somebody who, like that person um, just doesn't respond emotionally at all. And you're sitting there and you're like, I know that you're doing the right thing. Like, I know that you're like, you're being dispassionate because you're trying to like control the situation and, and not make things worse. But sometimes when you're in a fight with somebody and you feel so intensely, all you want is for them to show some feeling back. And I think yeah. that's like what, Niff and Alice goes through in those moments is she's like, she just really wants to fight and Quentin won't fight her back. And so it just makes her angrier and angrier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think this is a good time for us to move on to fashion. Um, there are a lot of things I noticed in this episode, but the first thing that I kind of wanted to point out, um, Margot is wearing a pantsuit basically in every single scene in this episode. And I really like that for two reasons. I mean, one, I like it as sort of like, I I don't know if it's an intentional homage to like the Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton thing, but she is wearing these like very high fashion pantsuits. And I thought that was really cool. Um, 
And the other thing is, right, like, I think it's a really interesting choice in an episode where um, you're in a patriarchal society where they won't take the high queen's authority as real, that she's, in a way, like, dressing in drag. Yeah, actually, speaking of, uh, th- that reminds me of you saying this whole patriarchal thing is that, it reminded me, of, in the books, like, Fillory actually didn't give a fuck no. about men versus women, like, at all. Yeah. Like, they didn't even care that Elliot was gay. They're like, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do you, or whoever else. And I guess Elliot yeah. does want to, sorry, I was going to make a joke about the yeah, wall one, but it didn't go him. anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is that is a really interesting choice. Um, one of their advisors isn't she always like in pants? <sighs> that one lady advisor, she's always wearing like the white top and like pants. Uh, I don't know. I'm always distracted by like the shaved main. head. Shaved head. Okay. Is that girl? I don't know. I don't pay attention that much. To yeah, the I feel like you're noticing like, something <laughs> that I haven't noticed. <laughs> okay. I, well, I. I'm a, I, okay, my impression is it's female, I don't want to offend anybody, but I think it's female, and she's always wearing pants, and like this fancy white guard jacket, and she has a shaved head, and she's always standing behind the really idiotic advisor, um, and then behind her is the translator for Abigail. I fucking love Abigail, though. Oh, yeah. Her languidness. <laughs> Abigail and Margo need to just, like, rule the world together. Yes. They need to burn the world down, and Abigail yeah. would totally be up for that. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so, a couple other fashion things I noticed. The other one, okay, this is not exactly fashion, I guess, but I really loved the... It, it, it's really more, like... I guess the scene setting um, in the scene where Elliot is returning from the, from the Wallum, um, the like twinkle lights uh, that go between them and the like gold headband and gold, like robe thing that Elliot is well, wearing. He's been wearing, he's been wearing the headband like the whole episode. And I thought it was just basically like, they kind of put a, like a temporary crown on him. Like that's what I thought. <laughs> oh, I actually, I thought it was like some medical device. Like, um, cause you know, like in, in, in the real world, there's, you know, for like, uh, EKGs or whatever, there's like this hat helmet thing that the electrodes go into. I thought it was like that, but for magic. It probably was, but it like looked like a crown. So I just thought it was funny. <laughs> I love that even yeah, when I, he's, like, half dead, he has to be fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking it was part of the device that helps connect his the two bodies. Mm. Um, it probably But is. I did also think it purposely looked like a crown. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if we'll get to see... I, I, I hope he gets another Wallum. I don't know. <laughs> But I guess that's probably. Like, I feel like he. I feel like he's gonna not want that for at least a while. Just he's too scared. But I think you know since he technically died. Um, I oh. think that's for one. I think that's for one why he has the second book, and two. Oh. Even though he has a second book, even though he has a second book in the actual books, and he never dies. But um, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. <laughs> That does. Oh my god. Um, and I wonder if he's like, there's two like astrological signs on it. And I'm like, are, is he like technically a new sign now that he like has been revived? Like, <laughs> look, I just born need again. The people on the magicians to tell me how to read all of the like signs on the books, like the. Well, they are astrological signs. Um, I know, but so, sometimes but they're upside down, and then there's numbers, and I just need to know this call system. <laughs> I bet you anything they don't even actually have a reason for it. Like, people who, write, heart. people who write on TV shows don't generally think about it as much as, like, authors do. I don't know. Speaking I think of which, a- I still need to ask Lev... I need to. I want to ask Lev when all of his characters were born because I like have this deep need to know all of their astrological signs. <laughs> I just know that Quentin is is a Cancer for sure. Well, and uh, what did Jade say that Katie was? Was she a Scorpio? I mean, she, she kind of got to make up her own, but she went with Scorpio. Yeah, which I'm cool with. I'm yeah. down for that. Um, I, I mean, it made a lot of sense. Yeah, me. I was compelled by her her reasoning. Um, 
Okay, other fashion things. Uh, something that I really liked, um, right after right after Julia sort of wakes up again, um, when she and Katie are, like, arguing about whether she's going to, like, what Julia wants to go do, I really liked that they were, they were wearing, like, a version of the same outfit. So they're both wearing, like, a white... Um, a white V-neck over a black V-neck. Um, and um, I think they were both wearing like black pants or something like that. But um, well, when she first comes about, Julie is wearing sweatpants. Yeah, she is. It's like, it's a little <laughs> bit later. It's a little <laughs> bit later, but like, I really liked that they were, that they had them in very similar outfits, but Julia's was like way more buttoned up and way more high fashion and way more like va va boom. And Katie's mm-hmm. was just like relaxed, but they were both had this like monochrome V neck thing. Um, and I like, this is what I was thinking when I was, ta- when we were talking to Jade in the last episode, one of the things I really like about that, like best bitches spell and the fact that we keep seeing them in mirrors together is they really do seem like they're kind of mirroring each other in a lot of ways. And this sort of extended that even after Julia's lost her shade. Mm hmm. Julia's wearing a really pretty necklace throughout the whole episode. She is. The, like, little bar with the diamond hanging off of it. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that, too. <laughs> I'm curious as to where the hell it came from. Like, Yeah. Did she steal it from, from Alice because she was in a room? I was going to say, did she hijack it from Alice? <laughs> I don't feel like any of her clothes looked like Alice's clothes, though. No. She probably actually went into Margo's closet, to be honest. Oh, I bet you're right. <laughs> um, they're definitely closer in actual size, too. So, Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, Olivia, I mean, Olivia is short, but she's way curvier than yes. Stella. So. Though, I mean, um, Stella sure looked curvy in this episode, even though I don't generally think of her that way. She had a she had a good way of uh, showing off her assets, but I mean, really good tailored clothes will do that for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually just kept thinking the entire episode how much I wanted her outfit. I mean, I know I think that like every episode, but like this one, I was like, no, I absolutely need this outfit. <laughs> I feel that. It seems like something <laughs> you could... shirt. What was that? I need Penny's shirt. Which one? Uh, oh my god, the fact the that Penny was wearing, wearing a, at the a sweater. Where are you talking about the weird, like... Um... The one that, like, drapes across yeah. sideways. <laughs> yeah, I uh, tweeted Arjun about it, and he said it was specifically made for him, and it can be worn six different ways, and I just need this shirt. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I'm just saying, but he's wearing a sweater in this episode. He is. is insane to me. And actually... He's look- he looks like a... Normal, like a uh, little hipster boy. Actually, <laughs> I didn't think he looked hipster. The sweater that he or the sweater sweatshirt thing he was he was wearing at the beginning kind of reminded me of what did they call them? Those like, you know what I'm talking about? The like almost poncho things that like heavy pot smokers wear. No, okay. There's. <laughs> I live in Santa Cruz, and this is like the outfit of every like skater boy who smokes too much weed. <laughs> But he was wearing, like, a normal sweater. I know what you're talking about, but I don't actually agree that it was normal. normal. I mean, it was normal-er. It wasn't, like, full of colors, but it was still the same fabric. It's, like, literally just... It's just, like, a heather gray sweater. Uh, It was not quite. There's something... I'll show you. I'll send you a picture of these things. (laughs) (laughs) You'll see what I mean. I have noticed, though, and I was thinking about... Sorry? I know what you're talking about because I have a lot of stoner cousins, okay? But, like, that's not what he's wearing. (laughs) All right, whatever. (laughs) I'm completely lost because weed is illegal in my state, so I have no idea what stoners wear. Uh, I would not say that weed being illegal is is a reason why you wouldn't know what they wear. (laughs) I also just don't leave my house. (laughs) Um, one thing I was noticing, though, um, in the last several episodes, it's it's been a while since we saw since we saw Penny in like a vest or an open jacket until this episode. Um, I was thinking about the fact that like he keeps being in regular clothes, which is really unusual. I mean, I wouldn't really call what he was wearing during the heist regular clothes. That's fair, <laughs> but it's been, you know what I mean? Like, he ha- it's been a while since we've seen Penny in a vest. And so when suddenly he, like, walks out in a shirt that is mostly unbuttoned and, like, goes and has a conversation <laughs> with Katie, I was like, hey, hey, I've missed this. 
Yeah, I definitely thought it was kind of odd that we hadn't been seeing um, as much chest as we've kind of been used to seeing. Um, and then I came back. I know. And, I mean, the thing is, right, like, I would feel weird having this conversation because, I, because like, it, <laughs> as much as I joke about, like, the whole free the butt thing, it's not like I feel like I need to see all of the cast members naked. But I'm so mm-hmm. attuned to the fact that, like, Magali, the costume designer, makes these choices consciously that I'm I'm reading into it. I'm like, what what am I missing? Like, what is there about the character that, like, is suddenly making him wear sweatshirts? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely kind of a character clue, and I just don't know if we've quite figured out what it's cluing us to. Yeah. I don't know, maybe it has something to do with the fact that he uh, doesn't have... Um doesn't have magic and oh. uh, now that he knows that he's going to get magic back because he's joining the order he's wearing his normal clothes again oh my god i bet you're right I, I bet that's it <laughs> have to yeah. pay close attention he probably just felt really like uncomfortable in his own skin while he doesn't have magic because he's always had magic yeah i want to look again at like some of what's going on when his hands are like coming in and out like look at the fashion choices that he has because i wonder <laughs> if that I, I wonder if there's interesting things about, like, what you're kind of talking about, Danny, um, in those moments as well, when everything's yeah, happening yeah. for him. It's just that he can't cast, right? I mean, he's still psychic. And he can um, still travel. Like, in Frankville South. Yeah. So he can't cast. I mean, I kind of agree that that's probably what it is. I just, um, he still sort of has magic. Yeah. He can only travel, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so there's one other fashion thing that I wanted to mention, um, and just because I don't generally notice what Quentin's wearing, um, but I really liked the jacket he was wearing in most of this episode, the, like, zip-up black, it's not, uh, it's not vinyl, but you know what that material is, that sort of, like, sateen thing? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, anyway, I just really liked his jacket, and I almost never notice what he's wearing. Have you all? I mean, I, I pointed it out that like Margo, like for the first like two episodes after uh, Alice died, was wearing all black. Like yeah. literally, he was worn nothing but all black this whole I know. season. I was thinking except about that for too. when he's wearing the recovery outfit. I was thinking about that too. Um, and when he when he's wearing the recovery outfit, it's it's all white, which I think is really interesting and symbolic in its own way. Because um, mm-hmm. there is this kind of yeah, like, but like ever since he. Ever since he stopped the whole office job thing, he's literally worn nothing but all black. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good look on him, even if it is for sad reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, any other fashion things from either of you? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay. Well, then I think it's time for us to do our MVPs. Um, I'll start us off this time. Uh, this was a really hard episode for me, because I think there's a lot of really wonderful scenes really fantastic scenes um and i sort of went back and forth a little bit um so i'm gonna give like my mvp and my runner-up um my runner-up for this episode was summer as um as uh, margo because i think there's so much really great beautiful vulnerability in this episode from her and she has to do so many different things and i think she did she did a really great job but in the end i had to i had to vote for arjun as penny in this episode um the speeches and the scenes with him and Katie are just so powerful and they really, really stick with you. And those were the ones that I kept coming back to over and over and over again when I was trying to decide between clips. So I don't know. That's me. Danny, what about you? Um, I mean, as much as I loved their scenes and they stuck with me, I still think the best performer of the episode would be Stella because she just completely mm. became a new character for us and yeah that's true I mean it's a total transformation yeah and she just rocked it I mean I'm pretty sure she turned on like most of the audience <laughs> <laughs> yeah all that confidence though. what was that that smirk though <laughs> yeah she is deeply sexy throughout like the whole episode like i was actually half shocked she didn't like try to fuck the dryad she was just so <laughs> yeah but danny so you have a crush on her sex- let's not even pretend <laughs> uh, I, if you like literally even look through any of the twitter feed like or tumblr like everybody was super turned on by her but i also 
follow like a lot of queer women, so it's probably fine. <laughs> All I'm saying is I don't think you're an exception to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Killy, what about you? Um, I was really torn between Arjun and Stella for this episode. Um, Julia's just so amazing and you see such kind of like a roller coaster of her being shameless you know like I said I thought she was creepy and then I was all for it and then I'm just kind of like oh my god what are you doing um and you know I loved a lot of the interactions of Penny with everyone Katie and Quentin in this episode and um you know his very brief interaction with Alice. Um, but I think... Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> now you see what yeah, I'm going to go a completely different direction, and I'm going to say Summer is my MVP. <laughs> I really, really loved how vulnerable we saw uh, Margot. <laughs> All right, well, there you have it. We can't agree. It was too good. Everyone was too fantastic. <laughs> um, all right, so episode ratings then. Danny, you want to start? Mm, I think I will go for a 9 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, my book feelings just kind of hold me back a little bit from that 10 out of 10. But you liked it, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I had fun, but it just... I'm still a little bitter. <laughs> um, Killy, what about you? I think I'm going to say 8 out of 10. Um, I really loved this episode. But blowing up the forest is such a sticking point for me. I just can't get around it. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one, Killy, and I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10, too. That it's it's so hard for me, that exact one thing that you mentioned, like blowing up the forest, is, yeah. is the thing that just sticks with me and feels so like it doesn't belong. Um, like, it's not mm -hmm. just something that's different from the books, it's, like, opposite. It feels like tearing something out of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think the Beast would do that, to be honest, and that's what really bugs me. Because, no. like... He was shadeless, and he wouldn't even do that. Yeah, I agree with Anya on that one. I don't think he would. Um, I mean, the weird thing is, right, like, Martin, I think he he really ultimately does care about Fillory. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly because that's his, like, haven and whatever, but still, it's sort of hard to imagine him being as destructive as Julia's being. Well, that's the interesting thing, isn't it, though? Martin loves Fillory, so, you know, even as the Beast, he wouldn't do something like that um, to hurt it. I mean, obviously, he drains the wellspring, but that's to get more power, whereas Julia just wants to get back to Earth. Yeah. Like, that is her goal. Which is also the opposite of the book. <laughs> it's yes. the opposite of who Julia is, and I fucking hate it like yeah i mean i completely agree i don't like that she blew up the forest and the poor dryad um i know great ray damon was way too hot to be in just one episode and i'm really upset about it i know i keep like vaguely hoping he somehow lived survived it. yeah he he probably didn't which one is was he honest. the dryad or was he the um wand dude he was the dryad, he was the dryad. Okay. Although, let's be fair, I really love the interaction between Julia and the Wizard of Loria. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like they would make great allies. They would, yes. I think so. <laughs> All right. I, yeah. I'm having so many feelings about it. just Julia. I'm just like, this isn't Julia, and I'm starting to feel like we're never going to see her with a crown on her head, and I'm getting getting depressed I know. about it. I think I tweeted it, like, right at the beginning um, after they said she was shadeless. I was like, I'm ready for Tree Goddess Julia right now. Mm -hmm. And then she blows up a fucking forest, and I'm just like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Do you think that they went for the forest specifically because they knew it would hurt those of us who've read the books? <laughs> I feel like, I do, I feel really betrayed. I feel like they, they wrote a big fuck you 
Well, but I guess what I mean is, the book. I guess I would say I would view it less, a, like if it's intentional, I would view it less as a fuck you and more as like they're trying to pave the way for something and they want it, they want it to have a different type of emotional impact. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting how they bring Julia's book arc into the show. Um you know, maybe they want her to still be a goddess, but not specifically trees. You know, um, she I don't know. Have... I think it's going to be a stepping stone. There have to be plants, though, because reasons. <laughs> well, it sucks because, like, I thought, like, 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 when they first show her, like, she's, like, smiling up at the trees. Like, I mm-hmm. I saw that as, like, oh, yeah, tree, tree. And then she fucking blows up the forest. And I'm just, like... I don't know. I'm really be forever bitter. And then I see everybody that hasn't read the books. They're like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. And I'm like, you don't understand why it's not amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well. All right. Well, I guess that's a good bitter note to end on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So thanks to everyone for joining us this week. Killy, you especially free traders. Don't forget, subscribe and rate us on iTunes and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye guys. Mind slide. Uh, excuse.